Okay, welcome to another edition of the Edlow Podcast. Hello, Robin Ferrier. How are you doing today, sir? I am well, and I just wanted to say thank you for taking the time to speak to me. I mean, for your your listeners and viewers, you, it's, it's rather late in the evening for you, and it's early in the morning for me. I'm in Eastbourne on the south coast of England, so yeah, a bit of a bit of a distance there between us. But thank God for the joys of technology. I, I know, and that's it's so cool that we have different types of um, streaming services now. I would have no way to get you on my podcast, really, unless you happen to be in this area or I happen to be over where you are. So now, exactly. even though we're we're thousands of miles away, we can connect. So that's great. Absolutely, it's fantastic, and and that's how I uh, basically earn my living is by working with people on these video services, just like this one. Well, well, that's awesome, and and that's that's kind of why you're, you're here. That's why I want. I was intrigued by having you on because. You, you've lived quite the colorful life. You've been uh, an airline captain. You've worked in the aviation industry. You're an author. You're an entrepreneur. And you've taken some of your own life experiences and some of, I guess, what you would probably call, quote, unquote, dark moments. You've transcended that into a career in hypnotherapy and coaching, particularly for people who have been bullied. Is that right? Absolutely, yes. And um, just to give you a little bit of background on why that would be, because uh, it is a bit of a niche market, shall we call it that. Uh, when I was younger, I, I went to school in Scotland, just near, near Edinburgh. And uh, let's just say the, the place had not exactly erupted with uh, religious fervor at this point. So um, when uh, I turned up and my father was the chaplain for the school. My my peers were not exactly impressed because, of course, we would have to attend assembly every morning and my father would lead the prayers and things like that. And, of course, that was being restricted and that was having religion force-fed down your throat. And, of course, people don't like that very much. And uh, if you can't... Uh, if you can't stick one on the man directly, so to speak, then uh, what's the next best thing? Well, his son, his <laughs> five-year-old son. And, of course, that took many different forms. I mean, primarily it was name-calling, but it got nasty on occasions. In fact, it got nasty quite regularly, you know, and I would come home covered in blood. and yeah. uh, it, 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 uh, it, it really crushed a man. It crushed me. And uh, it didn't end until I was about 14, until I started to blossom physically. And uh, even then, you know, the effects of, of bullying had, had really taken their effects by then. You know, a loss of self-esteem, loss of self-confidence and, and all the other fascinating aspects of, of you know, long-term abuse, I suppose you'd call it. So I came to the conclusion that uh, I just didn't want other people to have to go through what I myself had gone through. I had put myself through a process of self-development and um, I, I just honestly felt that there must be an easier way for other people to, to, to get access to help and support rather than just spending days, weeks, years, plowing through books and audio tapes and all these kind of things. So 
that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And uh, I provide hypnotherapy, I provide coaching, and I also provide online courses for people who maybe are a little bit awkward, shall we say, socially. They don't want to join in with the the group dynamic. They, they would much rather just work away on things behind the scenes. And that's fine, because that's how I was. I didn't want to admit my problems. It's just a thing that some people prefer. So yeah, that's my that's my reason behind why I do what I do. You you know it's interesting <clears throat> because I I see I don't think it's a prevailing um, thought process or, or a prevailing um, I don't know what you would call it other than that. But there's kind of there's a group of people out there who tend to think bullying is just a part of life. And uh, I, I think everybody, at least in my generation, I think everybody is bullied in some way or another. Like me, I'm I'm six foot seven. I've always been the tallest kid in my in my class. And as I was growing up, especially in elementary school, I tended to be um, less coordinated, you know, because I was I was kind of bigger than everybody else and hadn't really developed the, the physical coordination. And so I was a little slower and I was little more plotting and so people made fun of that uh until like you said until i i blossomed and one day a friend of mine i think it was it might have been my sophomore year of high school someone said you know josh you could probably beat up anybody in this school and i was like yeah <laughs> i probably could <laughs> and, so next, and so the next one who messed with me you know slapped me down a little bit and never happened again and and uh but the, but it was years of that and uh um, so perhaps maybe you can talk about that thought process. Is it is it true? Do you think that everybody in some form or another has been bullied in their lifetime? I think, let, let's put it this way, kids can be vile. <laughs> I don't think there's any denying that kids are potentially nasty little pieces of work in the making uh, that and that isn't to just put kids down per se what it is is that kids by the very nature of being young are bereft of any real emotional training and so they haven't yet really established their character they haven't really established any real set of boundaries as to how they will behave and how they will let other people behave towards them there are also kids who, for their own reasons, feel a void within them. And that could be because they just didn't receive the support and love of their family. They could have been abused themselves. There's, there's any number of reasons why uh, a young person can need to take out their emotional angst on another. Because it's a kind of vampiric energy transfer. It's, it's uh, if they put you down, somehow they feel better. It establishes their place in the hierarchy. It makes them feel like they've got something that they didn't have. So, does everybody go through bullying? I would suggest everybody goes through. I don't want. I'm not quite sure what we would call it, but. Um, hassling getting getting the rip taken out of them everybody has 
has fun in games, let's say. But but bullying, I think, goes a bit further because there there's a definition to it whereby it, it's where there's a, a social advantage that the bully applies over you. It might be a physical advantage. It might be a status advantage. There's there's a, a, a sort of process of um, using a a different disproportionate level of power over you, and at the same time, it's done on more than one occasion, and it's intended to hurt. And I find that there are people who who go through life experiencing these things more than others, and I think the sort of catchword that I would use is vulnerability. Because there are some people that just give off that kind of vibe. And I think you probably know what I mean in your line of work. There are just some people that have this air about them that just says, if I put upon you for one reason or another, I know you're not going to fight me back. So guess what? They're the ones that usually experience these, these processes of bullying. And as you said, there's a lot of people who do feel that it's a kind of, what shall we call it, um, a process of life. It toughens you up. It so makes it's you a man. Like, it's almost like it's a rite of passage. Like you, a rite like you of have passage, to, yeah. You have, to, you have to stand up to the bully, and when you do that and they go away, you've kind of, it's part of becoming an adult, a human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that I, I'm I'm not going to deny that that to some extent is true, and and in many ways, you know, the armed forces use that as part of their training. I mean, the whole process of of uh, becoming a soldier is the process of hazing, and yeah. uh, there there is purpose behind it. But I think what um, what I get concerned by though is where it's disproportionate. And it's very difficult to say, well, what's appropriate, you know? But I would say where it diminishes you as an individual, um, if it if it if it emboldens you, if it strengthens you, well, I'm not going to say it's a good thing, but I'm going to say that I'm not going to stand up and and scream and yell about it. But if it actually diminishes you as an individual, excuse me, <clears throat> then I would say. It's wrong. And what I think, in my own humble opinion, is that bullying per se, because it happens on more than one occasion and it is intended to hurt, it's not intended to build you up, mm-hmm. is a bad thing. And so the other thing about this, of course, is that these people who say, well, it's just a rite of passage, is a process of finding your manhood and all the rest of that, they say that because that's what happened to them. It's an inherited trait. And so they were bullied by the generations before them and the generations before them. And, you know, it goes way back into into history. But does that make it right? I would say not. Because I think we're more enlightened now. I think we understand psychology better. I think we understand each other better. And I think it's time that men particularly were given the opportunity to understand that this is not something that they have to endure. 
it's something that um, there is a solution for. And that's where I come in in terms of the post-bullying support. Uh, because by then, these people have already experienced the trauma. They've already experienced the the changes to their character. And so therefore, I can't go and help them. I can't be their white knight coming in on my charger and, and lancing the bully. But what I can do is I can provide field support and long-term sustenance to those people who really now... They, they hide in the shadow, they live mediocre lives, they feel unable to take risks, they feel unable to trust, and, and generally live life in a way which is, life is shit and then you're dead. And that's a great loss to humanity because there are many people out there, both men and women, who have so much to give, so much love to impart, but yet they don't feel able to. They just feel judged they feel that by opening up and giving of themselves that they're taking a, an unnecessary risk and they would much rather just hide away than to be seen for the, the wonderful people they are yeah well there's so there's so much to unpack there that you talked about it sounds like you you just kind of went over some of the the long-term effects of bullying but i want to go back just to kind of get an idea of what mm. your definition is because you said it, bullying goes farther than what it sounded like, you know, just general hazing between friends. And I understand what you're saying is it's intended to hurt. But what are some of the other, I guess, characteristics of bullying that you feel make like the, the disproportionate aspect, like define what you mean by that? Well, huh. I mean, the, the British Bullying Society, uh, Anti-Bullying UK, as I mentioned, defines it where there's a disproportionate uh, power base between the two of you. And that might be that the, the kid's father is the headmaster hmm. and therefore can use the father's leverage against you. You mentioned that you're presently six foot seven. Well, I'm only five eleven and a half. So in theory, you've got a power advantage over me, and that's you know in in school when you're when you're young, you know even just a few inches makes you feel vulnerable to somebody who's taller than you. There sure. may be a, a situation whereby um, you are one of these people, maybe a bit like me who just didn't fit in with the social dynamic. And so there is the power of the group. And so bullying doesn't just have to be one person against another. It can be a group against uh, an individual. And the whole concept of groupthink comes into mind uh, because if you don't fit in, then you become the enemy. And when a group of people get together and they get a fervent idea in their in their heads about something, people can do some pretty strange things because a they they believe genuinely that you're you know you you, you need to be sort of got rid of, uh, and and b they they generally feel that if they don't follow the group dynamic, then they themselves become vulnerable and subject to bullying. You know, if you're not with us, you're against us. 
and and that happens in all sorts of societies and i don't just mean the schoolyard it can happen in work it can happen in families it can happen in so many individual and unique situations so a power imbalance comes where there is, is some form of leverage that the person has over you or the group has over you that they apply quite consciously in order to hurt you on more than one occasion, multiple occasions. And yeah. uh, it's it's a fascinating area of, of study. It sounds like it. You know, I, I wanted to ask you too, you, you brought that up, but uh, you know, there, I, I was thinking that as you were, before you even said it was, well, I'm sure that bullying doesn't just end when you're in school. I mean, I, I, I'm sure there are lots of situations where people are bullied outside of that. Do you see like the most of your clients that come to you for your, your classes and your therapy, are they, are they suffering effects from, bullying that they received as a kid or are they currently being bullied uh family bullying what is it that you're seeing the most i think i've set my stall up on the basis of my own experience in in which case you'll understand it was my my earlier years that affected me most and so that's where my my primary knowledge comes from because of my, my my personal bullying experiences i have specialized in people who who had uh, experiences of bullying at a very young age however the, the longer i do this the more that i see that the term abuse and violation comes into play and so Bullying isn't just what kids do to each other. It's what adults do to each other. It's what groups do to each other. Mm. And so bullying comes in so many different forms. Uh, let's look at it from the point of view of uh, a, a state against its citizens. There are so many countries now which oppress their citizens and they, they use violence against them. Mm. And so... Is that bullying? I think it is. Yeah. And so um, people come to me because they have escaped a form of oppression, but it's in its process demeaned them. It's made them feel vulnerable. It's made them feel weak. It's diminished their confidence. It's damaged them. Simple as that. Um, there are people who have entered into relationships whereby one of the two, and it doesn't have to just be the man, one of the two exerts more power over the other. And that leads to, obviously, many years of damage to that person's character and their ability to live a full and, and joyful life. So... Bullying comes in so many different forms, and the more I do this, the more I see it. And so, as I say, abuse and violation are, are, are the words that I would suggest replace bullying. And so you can, you can imagine that that's as long as your arm. It really has no boundary. It just it keeps going on and on. Yeah. You you mentioned when we were talking uh, before we went on the air, you said 
that you've started to venture in, or you have at least in the last little while, started to also deal with women who have been victims of bullying. Perhaps uh, you can tell us how bullying affects men differently uh, than women. Mm. Well, the, the effects ultimately are not too different in terms of when a person is vulnerable and somebody takes advantage of that, then that diminishes them in all sorts of ways. It, it, it will affect their confidence, their self-esteem, their ability to, to essentially be themselves because they don't want to appear as themselves because that's what got them into the trouble in the first place as far as they're concerned. But, but with men, uh, my, my point of view is that it, it assaults the very core of masculinity, which is that we are strong, we are powerful, and that we are able to be independent and we can look after ourselves. And so when, for example, uh, a young man is beaten up, let's just no, not make any bones about it, that says to the world, I can't support myself. I can't look after myself. And therefore, if I can't look after myself, I can't look after my women, I can't look after children, I can't mm. look after anybody who is dear or valuable to me. And so that assaults the very core of a man's being. Uh, and, and you can only imagine how that will affect a man in so many different ways psychologically. Now, I'm not saying that when a woman is attacked, assaulted, you know, belittled, that that doesn't affect her. Of course it does. But the, the way in which bullying is done within the, uh, the female sphere is generally a rather different from the male one there is physical violence there's no denying it but the the weapon of choice for women is generally um to do with a, a girl's reputation and it, a girl's reputation compared to a man is is so so important it is absolutely crucial to who they are and so what would you do to somebody then who feels that their reputation is the the very essence of who they are? Well, you go and assault their reputation, don't you? Mm -hmm. And it's vicious. It's evil. And women, I, I even think some wonderful ways. I, I would say, please that, carry on. I was going to just say that I think in some ways that's actually more damaging than physical violence. I mean. Because, uh, you know, a rumor goes out there about somebody, you don't know where that ends. You know, you, oh, you, yeah. you, beat, you beat someone up and as soon as you start, stop swinging, the fight's over, you know. But but you you go and you say something that's not true about somebody else or you gossip, even if it is true, and you go and, and spread it around, the gossip, it, it, that, that can go on forever. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're absolutely right, Josh. And uh, if you take into account the the arrival of new technology, well, new as far as I'm concerned, you know, the whole concept of social media and, uh, you know, Facebook and Instagram and people 
using cyberbullying to attack their victim. That is a particularly pernicious way of, 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 you know, doing your business, shall we say. And of course, you're quite right. Um, because if nothing else, it's a kind of cheap way of going about things because there's no comeback really, is there, to the bully? You know, you, you can't really fight back against these things. All you can do is withdraw yourself from the field, so to speak. But that the trouble with that is that uh, it's still out there. And it. I, I find one of the interesting things about this is, is the number of players in a bullying experience because it's not just you and the bully that is involved in your bullying experience. It's, it's those people who watch on just like the, um, the guests at a gladiatorial duel. You know, some people love watching these things. You know, they love to see the drama, you know, the sort of David and Goliath battle, if you want to call it that. Um, it's, it's kind of perverse, really, the way some people love to watch a, a bullying experience. And um, just talking about watching a bullying experience, I mean, if you're a man being beaten up or bullied, but you've got a bunch of girls hanging around you watching it, how badly does that affect your self-image it's not it's it's bad enough being taken down by a fellow man but then you've got a bunch of giggling girls watching you as you as you go through your torture and and these are girls you'd probably want to impress you know you you would like maybe like to ask them out on a date that's so destructive and so when yeah sorry you carry on josh oh no i was gonna say you're you're right, and I was gonna go back and talk about the cyberbullying. I just gotta say, maybe this is me venting a little bit, but I can't think of a more cowardly thing. There, this there are so many people. I I we hear call them keyboard warriors. You know, oh, yeah. the ones that, there's the ones that sit down in their you know in their mother's basements anonymously and and attack people, uh, and and it's the. It's the saddest thing in the world because you're right. I, I watched this show. You probably heard of it. Cobra Kai, which is based on the karate kid. Yeah. And there's that scene where uh, in the first season where Johnny Lawrence is hearing this kid talk about how he was bullied or, or how she was bullied online. And he was like, what a bunch of pansies, you know, he goes, uh, there used to be honor in bullying. You know, you were, you were there in front of them and you had to, you know, they had to stand up to him and, and, you know, that's a perverse way to look at it, but it goes to show how now you don't even know who your bullies are or, yeah. or there are people out there who the cyber bullies, they would never say that stuff to somebody in person. Very true. Very true. And, and, and that's, that's, you know, that's another thing is when you were bullied as a kid, at least when I was, you know, when I was growing up, you at least got to go home and it was yes. a safe space. Now you don't even have that because they just hit you up on your social media. They text you. They, you know, there's no getting away from it. That is true. That is very, very true. I, I can't agree with you more. And, and um, the whole concept of it's almost like a free ride for people, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, you can say what you like, you can do what you like, and there's no consequences. Yeah. I think that's changing. I think that is changing. I think there's excuse me, <clears throat> a process now whereby people 
particularly, you know, Facebook, Twitter, these kind of people are being made to be more aware of how bullying takes place. But it's a long way to go before people are truly protected. And then there's the possibility of the argument, well, should people be protected? Then mm-hmm. there's a circular argument. Well, if you can't if you can't deal with this, then whose fault is that? And there's a whole massive argument about um, the whole concept of what do you learn from a bullying experience? And mm-hmm. my argument is you you learn that people are shit. <laughs> yes, it's true. It's true, uh, and that. But that's something super that's you know i i just have to say when you say that like well if you can't handle this you know it's unfair to expect i mean listen we we've learned a lot about the brain and we know that that the 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 uh what we call it the cerebral cortex your brain isn't fully developed until you're 25 so you're expecting 14 and 15 and 16 year old kids who are in the middle of puberty who are in the middle of hormones going all over the place growth spurts all these different things with brains that are not fully developed to be able to comprehend accept and be able to get over all of their peer groups or or people in their peer group saying all sorts of terrible things about them spreading lies about them on social media and we have kids that are that are killing themselves because of it i don't think society if there's people out there who think, oh, well, whose problem is that? It's all of our problem. I mean, if, oh, if God, this, yes. it's, it's all of our problem, if people are dying over something, I admit it's social media is silly to be to really worry about, but it is a big part of the kids' worlds. I have four kids. I have I have 16, 14, 12, and 10. And I try to instill in my kids all the time. I'm like, listen, all these kids that you know in high school, just so you know. When you get to be my age, you're not going to care about any of these people anymore. And you're going to look back and go, yeah. we're worried about so much stuff that didn't matter. But when you're in it and that is your whole world, it's a oh, big yeah. deal. It's a big deal. Oh, it is. So, but, go, go ahead. I was just going to say there's a there's a, an interesting little twist to, to this as well, Josh, in that – because social media is so pervasive that it, it you've got the potential to attack I hate to make it militaristic but multiple targets mm-hmm. and so you 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 don't necessarily have just one victim you you have multiple victims yeah. so you have the you have a degree of leverage if you want to call it that there's an effect that I've seen that I don't think anybody would be proud of, but bullying victims, if you want to call them that, or bullies targets, can themselves become bullies because, of course, what happens is they experience that that emotional loss, that void. It's almost transferred from the bully to you. And so unless you are incredibly strong-minded, there is a very real possibility that anybody who themselves has been bullied can become a bully themselves. Mm. And so if you look at the potential for for social media, 
that could create a whole generation of people who are hurt and damaged who then become bullies themselves. Mm. And I know it won't happen because not everybody is built the same, but it has the potential. And if bullying is on the increase, I'd, I'd suggest to you that that's possibly one of the reasons why, because people who, who get bullied themselves become, on occasions, bullies, because that's the only way they can see of taking out their angst, their their mental void, whatever you want to call it, that drives somebody to bully in the first place. Well, and, yeah, and we're, we're seeing some of that. I mean, um, I couldn't tell you um, how many, you know, my, my kids all have friends and they come to the house and, you know, they're, they're all really good kids. I, I really shouldn't say anything about them because I've yet to meet a bad kid. My, my kids are, Maybe they just don't bring their bad friends around, but I mean, like they, they, uh, they seem to be good judges of character from what I see. And, but I couldn't tell you just hearing the stories of how many kids have mental health issues. And, and, you know, I think that you're, what you're talking about bullying is, is definitely part of that. And, and you, you mentioned, you know, you come in, you come in post bullying, they've already suffered the trauma and now you're helping them cope. But perhaps, I don't know if you have any, or if there's somebody who's listening to this, who has been the victim of bullying or feels like they're the victim of bullying, is there anything advice you would give them to cope with what they're dealing with? Well, I, I think first of all, to know that despite the words that we use, uh, Victim. It's it's not a word I always use. Uh, it implies all sorts of things and has all sorts of associations with it that uh, I would suggest you don't use. So I would call if if you have to call yourself anything, I would say call yourself a bully's target. Mm. But victim, I wouldn't say is a is a word that you would use to enhance yourself. Um, when I was going through my bullying experience, I just wanted somebody to know that I was hurting. And so I expressed that to my father. I expressed that to my mother. And um, I don't really know what I was looking or expecting for, but some sort of support. And with my father, he was a religious man, as you'd expect. And so I was given, you know, either run away or turn the other cheek. Mm. Now, either of those are a gift to any bully, basically, because right. running away just postpones things till another day. Yeah. And turning the other cheek, well, I think you can see the, the futility of that. So that was my father. My mother, on the other hand, she herself had been bullied. And she took the view that, well, this is what happens to people like you and me. Those were her words. And there was really no support or sustenance there. But I would seek out people who are in a place of authority, who you believe will understand that you're hurting. And that's not an easy ask, because a lot of people nowadays will take the view, well, you know, 
this happened to me when I was a kid. So it's just a thing you're going through and you'll get over with it. Well, I would suggest that you need to find somebody a little bit more enlightened. And who are those people? That's a very difficult question to answer because you, you need to find somebody who is prepared to stand up and be counted. Uh, if it's a, a teacher at school that you respect or if it's a, a manager at work who you respect and and, you, and understands that you are not a bad person and therefore what's going on is bullying and not just another manager uh, demanding uh, work for, what am I trying to say? Uh, I'm trying to say that some people at work can make demands of you that are unreasonable and you need to be able to find a person who understands the difference between reasonable and unreasonable it's a hard ask and and quite quite clearly what i'm saying is that uh, you need to be wise in choosing who you speak to about these sorts of things but you must speak because you can't keep it to yourself all that does is it drives your emotions inwards it uh, it creates anger bitterness resentment pain and if that doesn't get some vent, there, there's a wonderful phrase that came from a surgeon in the 1800s that any emotion that doesn't have its vent in tears causes other organs to weep. And so it can come in all sorts of physical forms. So, for example, psoriasis, uh, acne, all these things can come from just the horrible feelings you get when you think there's nobody out there to protect you or to help you. Yeah. Well, um, you going into this now, we talked about what you can do, you know, when you're, when you're going through it. And I think what you said was dead on to find somebody to talk to about it. Um, but what about post now? What are some of the things that you uh, suggest for coping after the fact? Well, the first thing is to understand what actually happened to you. And, and that's how I go about um, creating my, my online course is to the very first thing we look at is what actually happened. Because the, there will be a bunch of people, as we've already said, who do not want to see that you have suffered because they suffered and they never got any support or sucker or any kind of benefit from from expressing themselves so why the hell should you grow up get a pair you know that's you know that's really this is the kind of know, thing that's really funny you bring that up i, I it's funny because i uh, i was just talking with another pot uh, on another podcast with a mission president i'm i'm mormon mormon member of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints and i served a mission for my church and when i went on my mission you were only allowed two phone calls home a year on mother's day and Christmas. And they recently in the last few years made it where missionaries could go home or, or, or could call home every week. And I razzed the missionaries when that happened. I'm like, Oh, what is, what's wrong with you guys? You're so you guys need to talk to your mommies every week when you're on your mission, you know, you're weak, you're weak. And, and I remember thinking about that after I, I actually had the mission president on and I'm asking him, I go, do you think it's better? And he goes, I absolutely think it's better. And I go, you know what? why is it that I am making fun of people who want to talk to their families every week <laughs> just because I didn't get to, you know what I mean? 
And, and so I think that goes into what you're saying is that I think there is a, an aspect of this where you're like, well, I was bullied and I got through it and I'm okay. You should be okay too. And that's just, it sounds like you're saying that's the wrong approach. I would suggest that for anybody to say that by being diminished in any way, shape or form is a good thing just isn't. Um, there is there is some kind of edifying process. I mean, there's the old phrase that what doesn't kills doesn't what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. There is a truth to that, but there comes a point whereby it's no longer making you stronger; it's actually crushing you, and that is when good old fashioned nonsense and and joshing about becomes bullying as opposed to just having a bit of fun with somebody else when you physically or mentally damage somebody i would suggest that is just plain wrong but where's um, the line in that oh it's right? different like, for everybody it's different right. for everybody because everybody's level of resilience everybody's ability to see through the crap for want of a better phrase um, is different because we all have different experiences. We all come at life from a different context. There is no one size fits all. There is no standard line. It's just that if you as an individual are less resilient than another person, then one person's joshing becomes another person's bullying. And mm. therefore, where I, I start my courses, I say to them, if if you felt that you were bullied and you comply with the, 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 the template of bullying, which is, as I said to you, the fact that it was intended to hurt, it, was ha it happened on more, more than one occasion. And uh, it, it, oh, sorry, I've lost my train of thought again, but the, the, there was a, a whole intention to use a leverage of power to, to, to diminish you then that's just wrong. Mm -hmm. So it's there is no one size fits all. And so if you feel you've been bullied and you have analyzed your experience in accordance with those three things, you were bullied. Whether the person intended it to be bullying is almost irrelevant because what we're talking about here now is recovery and healing. And so you experienced bullying whether the person intended to bully you is irrelevant in my opinion um, we're not in a court of law there is no justice in in the the, the schoolyard so um what i'm suggesting is that everybody comes into this world with a different set, set of uh, abilities and traits and some will find it easier to deal with these things than others. But therein lies the rub, because, of course, that's what bullies seek. They look for the most vulnerable person in the herd to take out their, their angst. And they don't want to uh, take risks unnecessarily, the fact that you might fight back and give them a bloody nose. They don't want to expend energy unnecessarily uh, on, on somebody 
to get their frisson of, of uh, buzz that uh, comes from bullying. They just want a, a, an easy ride. So they'll choose the most vulnerable. And, and who is most vulnerable? Well, they're, they're the people who are different in one way, shape or form. They, they maybe have a, a social uh, side to them, which means that they don't fit in or, you know, they're a different color or a different religion, or maybe they've got one leg or anything that makes you different from all those people that stand around you shouting, fight, 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 makes, mm. makes you vulnerable. Yeah. So, you know what I'm thinking as you're talking, I'm envisioning <clears throat> a single mother with a son who, yeah. who, you know, and I think it's it's harder for a single mother to relate to a young boy than say a father because a father's been there, right? Yeah. Uh, what would you say to the single mom who maybe has a son who has been bullied um, and is trying to cope in in helping their son navigate that? Well, if we're talking about a son versus a daughter, I would suggest to that single mom that she find a male influence for their child mm. uh, and a good male influence, not just anybody. Sure. I, I'm talking about a, a Dutch uncle here, maybe somebody who can relate to, to that kid's experience because it's, as I explained, women receive bullying and both experience bullying in slightly different ways and so this young boy needs to know that he has a person who understands what he's going through um, and that's not easy because if you can find another man who's willing to admit that he too has been through bullying you've done well <laughs> they, right. People, they don't like to come forward, but maybe you know, seeing a, a a young child suffer is enough to get another man to open up or to express emotions that, my God, under normal circumstances, he wouldn't want to expose to the world. Sure. And 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 so, yeah, a Dutch uncle, a, a man who is willing to to stand up and be that young boy's either he's, either his white knight or his supporter just somebody who's there to give him some masculine energy yeah so so maybe you can tell me what role coaching and hypnotherapy has in helping someone cope with bullying well i think first of all as we said to put things into context and to to look at it from an almost academic standpoint because a lot of people don't truly understand what happened to them. They don't understand the dynamics of, of bullying. They just know that they were picked on and they feel pretty rough as a result. And many people will feel utterly unique and isolated and that only serves to make them feel even worse you know that i'm the only person in the whole world who is as rubbish as i feel right now and that is pretty lousy to to go through life feeling that way so we 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 find hypnotherapy and coaching just gives people the ability to put things into context uh 
there is a, as I say, a science to it. And once people understand why it happened, then it gives them an opportunity to realize that, well, it, it, it actually wasn't really anything I did. It wasn't anything that I am. It was just that person saw something in me that they wanted. And so therefore, it was their problem, not mine. Mm. And that that is the beginning of healing. That's the beginning of the opportunity to to get better. And we then go through a process of evaluating those traits that you have taken on. As I say, lack of self-confidence, lack of self-esteem, fear, um, social awkwardness, um, a desire to not take risks. There's a whole series of processes we go through to, to really just look at things from a a distracted point of view, almost as if you're watching somebody through uh, a one-way mirror. You can actually do that to yourself. You can look at yourself from a distracted, non-emotional point of view and say, well, if you were to see this person through a one-way mirror, what would you think of them? What would you think of her? And what do you think the world thinks of them? Why do you think that might be? And there's a whole series of processes that go to allow people to look at themselves dispassionately. And then really, we say, well... Really I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's really hard to do. I'm noticing more and more, I, I, for some reason, and I don't know why, I've, I've had it actually commented to me that, <laughs> like, almost too self-aware... You know what I mean? Like, like I, I don't know. I, I tend to take everything onto myself, which causes a lot of introspection. And I notice that there's a lot of people out there who really struggle with self-awareness and really struggle with looking in, like men in particular, like they really have a hard time, especially with traumatic events, being yeah. able to look within and, and then, try to reason that out in their heads. And I, and I'm not really sure why that is with people in general, but men, men is in particular. Well, I think you're right. And uh, as you say, men in particular, because there's the whole concept of emotional overwhelm and that doesn't necessarily diminish with age. It, it just carries on until you resolve, unless you deal with your shit. Yeah, well, and I, well, I hate to use the phrase, but that's it's true. That's funny that you bring that up because yeah, like I something that goes through my head as we're talking is I, I look, I've gone through the ringer on a lot of different things. I've had a you know I've had a lot of different things that you know traumatic in my life, and I've shared some of them, and some of them I don't. And it, there's a there's a part of you that I think thinks. Nobody really cares. You know what I mean? Like, especially, you know, me, look, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a financially well off white guy. You know what I mean? Like from a seemingly decent family, like I did, you know, I'm at the, the top of the food chain when it comes to, I recognize I had all the advantages when it comes to being a tall, you know, a, a, a tall athletic guy who 
you know, it, I didn't, I didn't have everything handed to me, but I, I know that when I walk into a room, there's nothing really against me, you know? Mm. And so because of that, uh, if I have trauma, there's a lot of people out there who don't really care <laughs> about that because yeah. they're like, well, look at all the advantages you have. You're a rich white man. You know what mm. I mean? And yeah but that that doesn't change that i've had problems and so so i think that sometimes you bottle it in because nobody wants to hear it think about how many times someone asks you how are you doing and you're like i'm fine they don't oh, they yeah. don't really and if you started going you know let me actually tell you i really had this rough thing that happened with my kids just like you know a couple of days ago they'd be like whoa i was just trying to be nice i don't really want to hear your problems you know what i mean That's so it. How, how do you get past that as a guy? I mean, what like there, there's a lot of guys I know listening. I've read my analytics. There's a lot of guys who listen to this. And, and so what, you know, what do you say to those guys? You know, the irony is most guys have had this experience in their life one way, shape or form. It's just affected them in different ways. And it, it takes the first one to have the cajones to, to just start talking. And if if the if the group just goes, oh, Bob, just shut it. I don't want to hear about it. Then, you know, you're on a loser. But, you know, mm -hmm. there's possibly one in that group that sort of will take you aside afterwards and say, you know, you know what you're saying? Well, that kind of happened to me, too. And I, it's kind of screwed me up as well. There, there are those who will admit that they were affected and there are those who will not. Yeah. But it takes courage to open up yeah. about it. And I. I can only suggest that um, men start to talk more openly with each other, but you have to be careful who you choose. You need to to know who you're dealing with because when you're imparting impassioned, emotional, private details, you don't want to hand it to somebody who's an idiot. And so you have to choose these things carefully. And, and yeah. you'll know that. You just can judge it by by judging somebody's way of being their vibe yeah that's funny, funny you bring that up because i i can think of a couple of friends one in particular uh where i yeah like they're the person that i call when i have a struggle and it's like a mutually assured destruction like we know everything right. about each other <laughs> you know what i mean it's like if either one of us ran for office the other one could destroy us, <laughs> you know. It's just oh, he knows where you you, you buried the bodies, right? I exactly. And so, but but I think I think what you're saying is so important because I think there's a lot of guys out there who just who are like me and that like you know I'm I tend to be the guy and I, and I'll tell you I was like this for a long time. I was like this for a very long time until I just couldn't be anymore. I used to joke to my mom. She would tell me when I was in my late twenties, early thirties, she would be like, you know, cause I mean, like I had things going on when I was, a, when I was in, uh, an adolescent uh, dealing with my dad, you know, who was a drug addict and, and then also dealing with, uh, you know, other things that are going on in my life and things that are going on even, even now, you know, things that go on. And, and she was like, you know, you might want to talk to somebody, like go to a therapist. And I was like, listen, listen, I've, I've spent a lot of time burying all this stuff. <laughs> I, I don't need someone digging all this stuff up that I took years to bury in, in chocolate and peanut butter. You know what I mean? And so, 
Um, but the thing is, is that I noticed is that what's so crazy about it is that if you don't deal with it, the next time something traumatic happens, it all comes back. You know what I mean? Oh, it's, yeah. It, it's it you it it was really surprising to me when something really traumatic happened, which I don't share publicly, but stuff that 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 happened to me, it brought everything back that I never dealt with. You know what I mean? It, it, a lot of yeah. stuff about betrayal and about, you know, all these different things that I, I just never, I never dealt with. And so, you know, talking to somebody about those things and being able to find, and it doesn't have to be a therapist. It could be a friend, you know, and just talking to someone and opening and saying, yeah, like this stuff was really heavy can really do a lot of good. I mean, wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, that's why I, I do what I do. I, I have various uh, groups that I, I open up to, to men and, and now very shortly to women to, to allow people to express themselves and to, to talk about these kind of things and to know that they're not alone. Because um, there's nothing worse than feeling alone in these things. But um, you, you did mention about um, what I call triggers. And my God, there there is one of the things that I, I find to be so important about both coaching and hypnotherapy. It, it helps to identify those things that will go bang when you're not expecting them. Um, I mean, I've said and done things in my past which are utterly disproportionate to, to what I was challenged by because when I was challenged if you want to call it that i immediately went back emotionally to those times when i was in the schoolyard and i felt all those emotions all the same hormones and uh, feelings came back and so i acted disproportionately i said things i did things which were just so wrong yeah. and um, you do that in a boardroom you might not have a job by the end of the day and uh, it's amazing how things happen. You can't control it because you are overwhelmed with emotions. So it, you, you can take the point of view of, I don't want to look at that again. And that's fine. You don't have to. There's no law says you don't, you don't have to do it. But if you don't, there are consequences. And it's not just all about you because it affects other people as well because you yeah. can hurt people without knowing it. And I've yeah. done it. Yeah, I've had, I've had to actually do a little bit of, uh, of self-reflection uh, on this very topic um, because I saw my kids, uh, you know, doing things that kids do but reminded me of stuff that other people mm. in my life have done. And so I went, I mean, you know, and, and these are things that need to be correcting, like not taking responsibility for something that they've done, you know, yeah. kind of you know how all kids are, you know, they, well, you know, little Jimmy over here kind of pushed me here and I'm, you know, it, just trying to deflect. And, yeah. and I, I, it was, it was kind of, it wasn't funny, but I, I afterwards looked back and I said, you know, this is something that you expect a kid to do. I went really hard on him or her, you know, she probably didn't need that. 
You know what I mean? I, I could have gone a little softer, but because it was a trigger, I went so hard. Not not like abusive, but I mean, I just probably didn't need to be that stern, you know? Yeah. And in and, uh, looking back at it afterwards, I, I, I hope I've gotten better at that. But it just, you know, you live and learn, I guess. Oh, I think you do, Josh. And, and, and well, congratulations for being aware of that because there will be many that wouldn't be. Um, one of the things we talked about earlier was self-awareness and, um, excuse me, <coughs> and um, also being over-analytical. Mm-hmm. Part and parcel of um, uh, being crushed emotionally is the concept of rumination whereby you chew things over and you chew things over and you chew things over and you go over it time and time and time again um, and you end up having conversations with the bully in your head and you do all these kind of things and that that's being over analytical and you never really get to the crux of the problem and so it's a cyclical process and so when you say, well, I don't want to dig that up, you're, you're actually doing yourself a disfavor because what you want to do is to stick a stake in the ground and stop the cycle mm-hmm. and say, right, let's, let's sort this once and for all because you don't want to keep having discussions with that bully that you haven't seen for 20 years, mm-hmm. uh, these sorts of things. And um, I think that's really rather important. And that's where we were talking about over analysis, but there's the opposite where you just go, la, 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 la. I don't know what's going on and I'm not even going to look at it. Uh, And that I don't think is helpful because you do things, you say things for a reason in this life. You withhold yourself, you, you hold back, you do things which are damaging to yourself or to, to others. And if you're not aware of that, who are you helping? I would suggest you're not doing any good to anybody. So if you can be aware of what it is you're doing and why you're doing it, then you're halfway to healing, I would suggest. And that makes you a better person in every way, shape and form. So self-awareness, again, part of my process of healing is, to, is, is just to understand yourself, to, to, yeah. to get why you do things. Because people... People really hate on themselves sometimes. You know, oh, God, I, I wish I hadn't done that. Why? And I'm a bad person. No, you're not a bad person. You're a person going through trauma. You're a person going through pain. And when people have pain, they do dumb stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't have to continue. Yeah. You know, that's so true. They're, they're, I, I find that in the times when I am the most hurt, is usually the times that I act the most out of character, you know, and, and, and I think uh, what you were, you know, I, I remember having this conversation with somebody who, who gave me that very same thing. I feel like I'm a bad person. And, and anyone who's, who's, who thinks that because they've done something wrong or because of they've been bullied or choices that they, I would just say, you're not a bad person. You just, maybe you made bad choices. And if you cease making the bad choices, you're a good person. And that, you know what I mean? And that whatever you did yesterday, it's over. Move on. Yeah. 
but be aware of why you were, why you did what you did. Uh, that, yeah. that would be my argument. Don't just accept the fact that you did a dumb thing. Why did you do a dumb thing? Yeah. Or if you don't yeah. know the answer, talk it through. Find out why. Uh, because that way, you're more self-aware. And therefore, you won't theoretically reproduce the same screw-up. Theoretically. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen some people do some, it, do some really messed up things. So, so um, well, they well, will do, but uh... yeah. Well, let me ask you. Um, I, I wanted to ask you: Do you perhaps, in your practice, could you share uh, a story of somebody, uh, something that sticks out about somebody who was bullied, that uh, and how they coped with it, and kind of a success story? One thing that. I'm coming up against time and time again, particularly with guys, is what we call normalization of trauma. And it's what we were talking about earlier, which is that, well, you know, it happened to my granddaddy and it happened to my father and this, that, and the next thing. So now that it's my turn, I just suck it up and get on with it. And um, I've come across various guys who have uh, been through things like that. And acknowledging that it just wasn't right and it wasn't their fault is so, so critical um, because they accept that what happened to them was normal, that it was part of life, that it was something that happened to their predecessors. So why should I be any different? But it leaves lasting damage. And so I have been able to help guys to move past that by saying, look, your dad was injured. Your grandfather was injured. They were all hurting in their own individual ways. And because we come into this world with a different set of templates to everybody else, you know, they dealt with it in their own way, but they didn't have anybody to help them, to guide them, to support them. And so with that knowledge, we can then say, all right, look at your template now. Look at your context. How do we move on from this experience? Well, the first thing is just to acknowledge that, well, it was bullying. Simple mm -hmm. as that. And from that point, you can then use self-awareness and understanding of the models of psychology to then start to understand yourself better and to forgive yourself because there's the F word that people don't like to use. Forgiveness. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I struggle. I'm not gonna... I struggle with forgiveness. If I, you know, it, I, it's weird. Like I don't, I don't struggle with forgiving. I feel like I'm a pretty merciful person. I, I feel like I have friends who've done some pretty, pretty bad things and when they do lots of people abandon them and i won't but man it yeah forgiveness of things when i have been betrayed has been a very difficult thing well forgiveness i have to tell you is not about the other person uh it, it's a gift to yourself because holding in anger and resentment and bitterness to another person 
doesn't really change the other person. Yeah. They may they may they may not even know that you give a damn about them in one way, shape, or form. So it's like drinking poison and hoping the other person's going to die. Yes. It really is caustic. And so when you enter into the process of forgiveness, you are doing it to help yourself because by forgiving, it, it kind of cleanses both the mind and, and, and the heart. It, it really is a, a cathartic process. And you'll find men in particular don't want to do that because revenge is a very important part of life. Hence our justice system, <laughs> because yeah. anything that has no consequence leads to chaos. Mm -hmm. So you can't go around just, you know, with a pistol shooting people because, you know, that leads to chaos. That leads to a damage of society. And so unless there is some consequence for your action, then there needs, you know, you need to have some consequence for what you do. And so I find that a lot of people nowadays, they want revenge. They want to get their pound of flesh. Yeah, but I think that that's, actually is this, Sorry, go ahead. I think, I think that's that's true. I think for I can only speak for myself. I don't know if anybody else feels this way, but I think sometimes with forgiveness, especially, especially when the the person you're trying to forgive is not accepting responsibility. It's, it's like the forgiveness results in you taking that consequence almost onto yourself. Like you're saying, okay, you don't have to suffer that consequence. That's fine. I'm, I'm taking that for you. It's really a very Christ like Jesus Christ style situation which is probably good, right? Which is probably a good thing. But yeah, you know, the thing that's hard for me is to accept. So this person goes away scot-free after they've done such a, something so, so dastardly and so hurtful, uh, especially when it's something that's hurt my, you know, my kids and like that type of stuff. It's, it's hard to say, you know what? water to the bridge, no consequence, move on. And I don't know how to, you know, I don't know how to get myself. This is something that I, I'm realizing is something I struggle with a lot because as a Christian, I am supposed to forgive like 4,000 times. You know what I mean? Uh, so how do you, how do you get someone there? And believe me, it's not easy. Uh, yeah. But it is a process that uh, I, I, I do take my time with uh, and I'm not going to give you the full details because it's long and elaborate but no. the, the fact is that forgiveness as I say to you is not condoning the action of the person mm -hmm. it's not saying what you did was okay I don't I want people to understand that because it's not saying that that bullying that you did was actually okay that's that's not it at all it's it's a process actually 
if I'm going to be a little bit weird about this, it's actually forgiving yourself for your own weakness. Mm. You're actually allowing yourself to move past the fact that you allowed this person to do this to you. And that's all right, because this person was lacking in one way, shape or form. If you don't forgive, then you hold this stuff in. You basically do not learn. And it's a process of learning. If, if you do not forgive, you reach a, a sort of point where you, you're sort of hung, you're suspended in some area that is just not optimal for you because you still are angry, you're still resentful, you're still bitter. And to move past that is not easy, but th therapy... A lot of people think, for example, that hyp hypnotherapy is you go to sleep and you wake up full of vim, vigor, motivation, excitement, and all the rest of it. It's not quite like that. It is a process of looking at yourself in the hard light of day and the other, other people involved because there are many actors in the play of bullying and saying, you know what? If I was in your shoes, maybe I would have been exactly the same way. If I had lived the exact same life that you had led at the time you did what you did, maybe I would have been the same. Now, I'm not asking anybody to, to forgive without thought. It's not a, a brainless exercise quite the opposite it's a process of understanding and analysis and review which is allowing you to move on not the other person in in the whole of what i do we do not give a damn about the other person they can do one <laughs> this is mm -hmm. not about them this is about you the person who's suffering struggling not living their life you know you might just be one step away from taking a bottle of pills or doing something like that i don't even really like to speak aloud about these things but at the moment we have an epidemic of male suicide in this country and i think it's very similar in in the us and uh, it's because men just don't know how to deal with their stuff and they don't see anybody out there who's willing to help and uh I find that a, a terrible, terrible shame. It, it's, it's a simple act of giving to yourself. It's a catharsis. It's a cleaning out of the tanks that you've been holding all this bitterness and angerness, anger in for so long. And you're not doing yourself any favors by holding that resentment in. If you want revenge, all that you're doing is, is is you're exposing yourself to danger. You're exposing yourself to becoming the person that you loathe. And I don't think that's what you want for yourself, in my humble opinion, because the free song of revenge lasts about half a second, I would suggest. You'll get there, and then you'll think, well, oh, right. So I've got what I wanted. So why don't I feel any better now? Because the anger and resentment still there. Just because you, you maybe managed to get a good punch in, 
<laughs> you still don't feel any better. You I may do for about know. half a second. Know, I don't know, Robin. I've I've thrown that punch and it feels pretty good. <laughs> okay. Well, no, I wouldn't argue with the man who throws a punch, but uh, <laughs> at the same time, I would stand in front of any group of people and say exactly the same thing because I know it works. And yes, if you found that there was a benefit to revenge, uh, that that's well and good. But no, I, I suggest I for most people that, that let me let me clarify. I don't think it's a there's a benefit to revenge. I think exactly what you're saying is true. I was joking more than anything, but yeah, I understand. But you. but, but there, it, you're right in that uh, you don't come away more fulfilled by revenge. You know. Uh, the heart is still there. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't clear it away. All the the feelings of self low self-esteem, the lack of confidence. Say for example you did what you just said. You would come away from that feeling I got him. And then afterwards you'd think about it and you think that makes me a dick the same as him. <laughs> uh I, yeah. It doesn't happen straight away. No, and and you know you're you're and you're right. And, and could thing, could I have not thing, done this in a better way? Right. And the thing is, Robin, is that I know you're right. You know, when it comes to the, this, is what's hard for me: the the forgiveness aspect versus the consequence of revenge. I know you're right. I know that what you're saying is true, but for some reason, it's hard, especially as the. And I find it's also harder when the person has gotten like I've I've let the person get closer to me like, it, you know, I I uh, I have a lot of friends, but I would say that most of my friends, I, they're they're a little bit of arm's length when it comes to vulnerability. And I have a very select few that I am completely open and honest with. And it's yeah. and the closer you get to that, if you hurt. I'm just talking about me when, when it's the, mm. when it's someone who's closer to me, it's harder for me to forgive. And, um, and I know that that's not a good thing. Uh, I just, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to kick. It's hard to, like I said, it's hard to say you're, you know what? You don't have, you don't have to suffer those consequences anymore. Uh, not to say that I want revenge, just, you know, it's it's hard for me to let go of that, and I, I don't know why. You know, it just it's just that way. Maybe it's because I've just been hurt. It's, you know, I, so because every man is brought up with the principle that there has to be a cost for for somebody hurting me. There has yeah. to be some kind of implication for stepping out of line. But in nature, justice doesn't exist because good and bad doesn't exist. It just is. It's we human beings attribute meaning to things. And that, again, is a, a large part of what I do, is analyzing what meaning you attached to an event because different people attach different meanings. So, for example, you were talking about having a friend 
maybe turn on you and uh, misuse information that you would give them. Let's say that, for example, the part and parcel of the thought process that you would probably go through in that time is how could I be so stupid to allow that person to have that information in the first place? How naive could I be to give that information over, which I've now had used against me? And then you start beating on yourself because you feel that you were the one that actually gave them the the weapon to to assault you. The the other thing about it, of course, is that you think, well, you, the other person, led me to believe that you were a trustworthy person, and you you then took advantage of that feeling of trust and used it against me. And again, you beat yourself up because you you allowed yourself to be taken in by their goodness, if you want to call it that. But there are people in this world who are weak and they don't always do the things that you would hope they would do. And so on the human scale, there has to be a consequence, doesn't there? But nature in the jungle, if the gazelle falls because a tiger pulled it down, is there a court of inquiry? Does anybody sort of sit around crying? It just is. It happened. We as human beings attach meanings and consequences to things, and revenge is a very big part of it. We feel that there has to be some law which stands up and protects the individual. And when the law and I know this is speaking to you where you live, so to speak. Um, when that fails, you feel that there's a terrible injustice in the world and the world is unfair. And so revenge is a very powerful motive up until the point, of course, whereby it actually does you harm holding on to it. And that's why I deal with that aspect in 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 my bullying therapy because i think it's it's absolutely important it really is it's essential but that's a point for debate at great length i'm sure yes and and that's the thing i also think and i only speak for myself but i think another part of this is i tend to to be a person who is uh who takes extreme ownership of both successes and failures so when it comes like I look, I will tout my own successes when I have them. Right. But then I also accept that I'm the reason why I failed. Even if there are external factors, even if there was something else that happened that caused it or whatever, I I'll, you know, I, I take it on to myself, probably, certainly I think probably in a disproportionate matter. And so because of that, when I see somebody else not willing to do the same, not willing to take ownership, it's hard to forgive. But again, I'm not saying I'm not saying that you're wrong. You're you're right. <laughs> it's just it's it's something that I've had to work through over the years. I think I'm getting better at it. Well, it's it takes practice and it also takes a certain point of view and context in your life. And for me, forgiveness is 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 not about the other person at all. It's it's got, the other person can, you know not relevant yeah. it's all about it's 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 healing it's yeah. healing 
Yeah. And um, until you you heal, you will still keep on repeating the cycles of the past. And that's why I feel it's so important that there's somebody like me out there to say, it's time to stop. It's time yeah. to stop this cycle and to, to move forward so that we get the benefit of the wonderful person that you are and can be. But you felt unable to be that person because somebody sometime in your life crushed you and yeah. you no longer feel able to give of yourself. Yeah. So Robin, I appreciate you giving me the time. I have a couple of questions I ask everybody I want to ask you. Okay. Uh, first one, what would you say was your biggest success in life? Oh, that's a tricky one, isn't it? Yeah. Biggest success. We're going deep. Be prepared. There's a few couple more that gave me deeper. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I'm honest, probably doing what I'm doing right now, mm. I, I, I think it's because it's taken me this long to get to the point whereby I can sit and look in the mirror and say, you're okay. Mm -hmm. I'm 59. And if you think that my bullying started at the age of five, that's a hell of a long time to be dealing with my stuff. Mm -hmm. And I feel good about myself now. So is that my greatest success? I, I, you know, having put me on the spot, I would say yes. Just looking in the mirror and saying, you're okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, that is that is a success because I, I know there's a lot of people out there who probably don't do not do that, you know? And I so, think that's a great shame. I, I agree. So next question, what is your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Biggest failure... Uh, I'm just um, two years out of a 20-plus year marriage. Um, I regret that. Mm. I uh, I have had the benefit of hindsight now. I've learned a lot. And I realize perversely that my experiences in my younger years had a part to play in all of this. And again, this is why I ask people to, to deal with their their stuff because it it damages other people as well as it damages them. So that my that that is the most raw conscious feeling of failure I have right now. Yeah. Wow. Sorry to hear that. But at least, you know, the thing that isn't it interesting that our failures are where we learn the most and then tend to probably become the person that God or a higher power of the universe really wants us to be. I'm certainly working on it, Josh. I really am. Yeah. And uh, I think you're right. Um, it's a learning process. I mean, I, I talk about it as we're all on a journey. I know that's a bit of a hackneyed phrase, but I'm learning so much as I go along and I'm changing and I'm developing and I'm enjoying the process <laughs> You know, I'm not enjoying the pain that comes with it, but uh, I'm enjoying the, the the person I'm becoming, and uh, I think that's something that can happen to everybody. I, I I definitely feel that growth and development and enlightenment is something that we all can share in, and I'm 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 definitely on a journey right now. 
That's awesome. So last question I ask everybody, uh, at some, someday we hope long into the future, you're going to pass away and there's going to be a funeral. Someone's going to give you your eulogy. What is the one thing that you hope someone would say in your eulogy? He cared. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. He gave a shit. Yeah. I am so tired of people in this world who complain about things. Why does the government not do this? Why doesn't why don't people do this? Why are people not better? Well, I just think for me. I've spent my time doing that too. But I've discovered that it all starts here. If you don't do things yourself, if you don't live the life that you think you want, I don't think you have any right to make demands or make complaints. So this is me standing up, being counted, and I care. Yeah. Well, Robin, it's been it's been great to meet you. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Where can uh, people find you? They can find me at www.robinferrier.co.uk. And uh, that will allow you to make contact with me and see the different services that I offer. But I'm also on uh, Facebook and Instagram and all these good things under One Small Step Hypnotherapy. So you'll find me there. Awesome. Well, Robin, it's been awesome. I really appreciate the topic and the content and, and even engaging in a lift therapy with me on forgiveness. So I really appreciate uh, all that you do and uh, I wish you well. And let's let's keep in contact. I'd love to have you back. That's wonderful, Josh. And thank you for all your support. I'm very grateful to you. And uh, thank you for staying up. <laughs> you did a great job. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been great. It's easy when we have good content. So for everybody who's who's listening, if you've made it this far, uh, subscribe. We got a lot more fun stuff coming up, as we always do. I appreciate everyone who listens, and I appreciate everyone who reaches out. We've ha I've had a lot of cool people reach out to me and ask me questions for, for podcasts and this will be up on YouTube, on Apple, on, on Spotify. Feel free to leave comments. And uh, and if you're, you've been a victim of bullying, find Robin, I'm sure. Or, or a, 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 not a victim. What did you say? Don't call yourself a victim. Uh, a target. Just a, a bully's, right? bully's target. Yeah. So if you've been a target of bullying, reach out to Robin and and help, help, let him help you uh, cope. So anyhow, appreciate it, Robin. We'll uh, We'll talk to you later. All the best to you.